You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having, but you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. This is a weekly program and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hey, uh, hey everyone. Uh, welcome to this episode of Real Men Feel. I'm your host, Andy Grant. And uh, this episode, it's a special episode. It's like our after-school special, um, except Andy doesn't take PCP and try to fly. Uh, Andy is here alone without Apio um, for discussion that was not promoted. We didn't invite anyone else. It's, it's just me talking to my guest, Gabriel DeCristofaro. Hey, what's going on, guys? We're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about your brain on holidays like that. And what do you do about it? <laughs> So we're going to unwrap the present of our own brain. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly right. You know, and all the issues you have to deal with and, you know, holiday depression and, you know, too much eggnog or maybe not enough eggnog, you know. <laughs> cool. So if you've been listening to the show, um, boy, the past year, this most recent summer, if you follow me at all and anything else that I do, my writings at uh, the Goodman Project or at theandygrant.com, uh, You'll know that I don't shy away that, that I've dealt with depression and suicidal thoughts and am indeed a survivor of multiple suicide attempts. Um, we've had many shows talking about men, depression, the risk factors, what can you do about it? Um, but this summer, you know, the show was very sporadic. We had, uh, it, it, I did some couple solo shows just talking about how shitty I felt. Um, and we're going to go deeper into that um, because I've, I've just this, we're, we're, we're recording this on December 4th, and November was the first month of 2017 since April that I felt good, that I was actually glad to be alive, not, not just like tolerating life, not just like getting by, not just like, you know, I wish I was dead, but I'm not going to do anything about it right now, because that's where I was for a, a long time. Um, and I remembered um, that, that Gabriel had been in you know, a, a shitty situation, a shitty feeling situation last year, was it? It was last year. And I would say it was well beyond a situation. I would call it a phase. Okay. Right. So a situation, shitty situation, you come home, the dog pooped on the floor, shitty situation, right? Phase, the whole month is like poop colored, you know? you know, I don't want to get too gross, but I could. Anyway, that's, that's more of what my experience was. And it was actually literally last year, um, exactly at this last, uh, last now, like literally the last two weeks was when I was, uh, you know, I was, I got 
I mean, honestly, I got locked up. I mean, that's, you know, I got locked up. I'll talk more about that, but I want to give it to you. So you keep listening. I got locked up, man. They put me in. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you were on real men feel in August of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so was, was, was it talking to me that just sent you down the shitter? <laughs> it was, it was, I wanted to, I didn't know how to do that publicly on Facebook. I was like, Andy Grant <laughs> took me out. He's doing so much with his life and I'm doing so little. I was like, why am I even bothering? Why, why do I even bother? You know, you know th that, no, I'm kidding. Come on. And, and you're joking, but that, I mean, that's, that's an issue. That could be a, that's a trigger for me. Comparison. When you start comparing. Yeah. Like you, I always lose in any comparison. Like I, I never like my brain doesn't go like, Oh, who am I doing better than to like feel good? I don't, I don't, I never think that way. I don't get like mm -hmm. an ego trip seeing who I'm better than. I'm right. always like looking up and like, Oh, what right. I'm doing just ain't, ain't enough. Yeah. Right. Always. I think most of us have that. Right. I mean, really like most of us are. And that is one of the things that I, you know, I, you know, we said, you know, while we were talking, we said we would just be open and go deep and dark and wherever comparison is like a mental killer. It just is, you know, I mean, just to talk about it, cause I do that myself, right. Is I've learned to not compare but if you think about the guy in the Olympics, right, it's always the best example of comparison. The guy who gets the silver and he loses by a tenth of a second or what sometimes a hundredth of a second, you know, with one of those fancy little digital timers. And I mean, really, dude, like a nose hair out of his nose would make him be ahead of the other guy. And now nobody knows who he is. Who's silver? Oh, I don't know. Bronze. Oh, nobody Bronze is like a fart in the Olympics, right? Even though he's one of the top three competitors in the entire world of 7 billion people by comparison. He just doesn't really matter. But it's, it's really for the individual because I, I see people celebrate bronze, you know, and maybe, maybe that's someone like, I thought it was maybe 10th of them. Oh my God, I'm third. This is great. And other people, yeah, they, they win silver and they look freaking depressed as hell. Depressed. Yeah. Like nothing. You just don't compare. So I think, I think really the, and I think this would be a good thread for us as we talk too, or at least, you know, from my side is the idea that you really need to, no matter what your condition, whether you're mentally ill permanently or it's temporary, you know, you have to use your own yardstick to measure, measure your progress, right? I mean, a, a three-legged dog racing a four-legged dog is not the same. So, you know, if, if a three-legged dog is always comparing himself to four-legged dogs, that's going to be a very depressing life rather than how do I do as a three-legged dog last week compared to now, a month ago compared to now, last year, you know, compared to now, you know, when I was locked up. In, and I, I, it's kind of weird. We'll talk about that more in detail. But you know, I'm, I'm smiling about it. It was, yeah. it was probably one of the worst and most positively transforming times of my life. You know, I mean, one of. Yeah, so. that's not how it is. Well, I'm laughing because I have a three-legged dog. And she freaking loves – like, I got her – she, uh, the pound she was at, uh, the, the shelter she was at, put up a picture of her, like, Sadie's still here. Nobody wants Sadie. And then a yeah. video of her running around, like, oh my, that, like, our, the dog we had had recently been, been killed. Uh, mm. So it was two months, and I'm totally more, I was bald, like, the loss of a pet just crushes me, you know, like a lot of people. Yeah. But I see this three legged puppy chasing balls and running and falling down and get back up. I'm like, that's going to be my next dog. That's the freaking model of resilience that I need. And it, it has been. She's freaking amazing. She loves life. She's just, uh, 
I didn't even know you had a three-legged dog. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. So, and then we should point that out. Like, uh, we've never met. We know each other just through online things, through Facebook communities. Yeah. yeah. A few things, really. Not even a lot. Not like yeah. extensive, just a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. This, this could be the fifth time we've ever spoken. I, I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, good. So, let's dive in. You know? What, let's go, man. People what? are waiting for the juice. <laughs> So you mentioned you called it your phase last year. Yeah. Are, were there circumstantial triggers? Was it? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. What, definitely noticed. What, um, what kicked it off? Well, so, so just so people have a, a foundation, I think it's important for people to know, right? So I got diagnosed bipolar really like only two years ago, you know? And so most of my life I dealt with, you know, manic highs and really depressed lows. And I just did the best I could. Um, you know, I used exercise, uh, I self-medicated with marijuana, which is still a good equalizer. I mean, that's why a lot of people use it in, you know, medical marijuana, right? It equalizes, gets rid of anxiety. So last year, the triggers, um, that caused it, we moved from Denver to Tampa. Uh, we moved when money was okay. It wasn't really flowing. I just got a new job out here. We made the move out on the way out here, just so you get the weight of the triggers piling, right? So I had been getting work as a public speaker, right? As a professional speaker. And I was getting gigs, paid a couple thousand dollars per speech. Things were going pretty well. You know, not booming. You know, I wasn't like constant, but I was progressing. And so I got a job as a public speaker out in Tampa. And when we were moving out here, the move was stressful, right? We had to take a 1,200... Uh, square foot apartment and put it into a truck and then we put the car on a trailer and back of that have you ever done something like that no okay so it's just so you get the, the tension so driving a big 25 foot truck is already you know a big enough pain but then imagine the back of it having something like fishtailing and like all this kind of stuff so during missouri it rained and stormed and we actually drove kind of next to a tornado. You know, it was about a mile away. So if you know what weather's like. Who's we? My wife and I, Nicole. Okay. Yes, yes. I've been married a few years, you know. <laughs> um, or she do like this, marriage. Yeah. What? <laughs> marriage. What? You know. And um, so she, we, 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 we drove and it was raining and thundering and just, it was horrible. And we were in front of the tornado for, Jesus, man, three hours, four hours of like driving at night and there was construction and super stressful. Then we get here, we move to Tampa, but the place we get to had flooded and we couldn't really move in. Like it literally wasn't move inable. So our stuff was parked next to the house and we just left it there. Um, obviously, we, we took the car, you know, off the, off the back rack. But it just sat in there for a few days. A friend we met on Facebook was like, hey, you can stay in my house. My son is, a, is away. So we literally, my wife and I st stayed in this like, like, you know, like a double bed, not even a queen, like a double bed for almost a month while we, we fixed up this place we were going to move into that ended up just falling apart. And we literally had to move into a different place. Uh, it was a 700 square foot apartment near the beach, but small. Mm -hmm. So we move everything into the apartment. There's, and this is the apartment. I mean, just so you can, just so you can get kind of a, a little, like, you know, here it is. Nice little kitchen, right? There's the thing. Got Christmas, right? Little nice front door. looks all nice. And there's the tree. You can see it in the mirror. There's the holidays. 
And uh, so if you could picture this place stacked, literally, if you could picture right about here, if you could see it, all boxes, like all boxes, because I had started working, so we didn't really have time to do the boxes. And so the boxes gave me stress, right? Because there wasn't any room to walk. I mean, literally, we're walking through, you know, a shoulder width to be able to get to the kitchen, and there was nothing here. Um, the job was stressful. Things were not going well at the job, or they were definitely mediocre at best. And so it was all piling, right? The move, the boxes, the the bad first place because we're going to buy a triplex that fell through, so we had to rent tiny place, and then the stress of the job, right? And and that was it. I mean, literally, that was it. And I had an episode. And this is what I think is important about MI, mental illness, right? I call it MI, which is still a mission impossible. Because if you can live, you're, you're fucking kicking ass well beyond Ethan, you know, Ethan Hunt. I had an episode, a down, right? I had a down, depression. And again, whether, you know, whether we're temporary or not, the depression kicks, you know? And so it was too much. And my, my whole life, I've had suicidal ideations, right? My whole life. And, you know, it was pretty dark last year. It really was. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving was coming up. We weren't near family. And I told my wife, I, you know, I, I was literally for a few days, I was like, you know what? I'm concerned for my safety. I literally was like, I'm, I'm concerned that something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. Like, I'm really not, I like, and I just was crying. And it was just, it was very dark and depressing. And so, you know, she didn't really know what to do. I mean, what do you do when somebody says that to you, right? I mean, really, what do you do to that person? Do you hug them? Do you lock them up? What do you do? And she goes, I don't really know what to do. And I said, yeah, I don't either. And she goes, I, I, if it's okay, I'm going to call somebody. And I was like, yeah, you probably should do that. Was, was this the first time that you had an episode in, in, in this relationship? Okay. No. We'd been together a couple years, a few years actually. So she'd been through a number of episodes of like this and that she was the one that encouraged me to really go get diagnosed and take some tests and help me go deal with that. You know, cause I, I think most people in MI are like, you know, especially men, right. You're like, I got it. You know, I'm going to punch through. And so this was one of those, you know, she was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to call a, I think it's important to note. She asked for my permission to do it. I don't know if that's always the best situation. Some people may not have the wherewithal to be like, yeah, that's a good idea. But I appreciate it. She's like, if it's okay with you, I'm going to call. And I was like, yep, that's a good idea. So they came, uh, you know, police came to my door, knocked on the door. You know, it was voluntary, right? It becomes a voluntary, but they still, as soon as somebody's life is potentially in self-harm, they got to handcuff you. They got to take you in, Right. So they take you, they handcuff you, you walk out the door, totally humiliating. They put you in the back. And by the way, I don't care how, how loose they make them, handcuffs always hurt. Always. It doesn't matter, man. And then they stick you in the back with the stupid plastic seats where I'm sure some guy shat himself because he had a drug OD. You know, that's just disgusting. So anyway, they took me to ER uh, at the hospital. They, they locked me to the bed, right? They had to lock me to the bed because, you know, for anything like that. Very nice. Staff was very nice. Uh, as, as nice as it could be. And then they put me in the lockup in ER until they could get me a bed. They call it a bed. You know, if you go to a behavioral health center, that's the nice way of saying it. Really, though, it's the loony bin. It just is, you know. I know it's rude to tell people that, but that's what I call it, right? And so I had to wait there, oh, I don't know, like a day and a half. And what was interesting is when I was in there, 
some of the other people made me feel concerned about my safety from them, right? So again, comparison, got to be careful. But in that instance, I was really like, man, I know I'm depressed. I got an issue. I do, I have, I have a problem. I need to deal with it, but I'm not that bad, right? I'm just not. So anyway, they took me to the, the ambulance. They put me in the back of the ambulance, took me to the, the health center. And, you know, I spent a week there uh, in that center. You know, it was a week of, you know, group, you know, crayons, drawing on stuff. You know, what do you think? You know, talking to people. That's where they put me on meds. I got, I got put on meds there because they had me on meds before and it was, wasn't good. Abilify did not work for me. I mean, that's just me though. It was not good. So, you know, I was there a week and then after a week, you know, things were progressed and, you know, they let me out and, you know, I've kind of been on a, you know, more of a steady thing. And like you, I've actually had a pretty good, you know, pretty good season this season. I mean, I've certainly had downs. I'm a little, I'm a little jealous that you've been so upbeat. Well, uh, we're, we're, we're both still human. Like I, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I was diagnosed bipolar when I was like 15 or 16. And the wow, way you explained to me, I just thought it was just bullshit. It was just like chemicals. I'm like, chemicals? I'm like, no. As I go to I'm like, well, no, I'm really depressed because of this, this, this. It wasn't just some like, so the way we explained to me, I, it, it, it didn't click for me. But oh. my dad embraced his, and I was diagnosed bipolar because my dad was. Um, uh, and my dad kind of embraced it. And whenever I felt good, my dad was like, oh, you're going to be diagnosed manic soon. You're, you're just manic. I'm like, no, dad, I'm actually fucking happy. <laughs> but I mean, I felt so good. I'm like, and my dad passed away this summer. It's one of the triggers I had. But uh, this month I've been like, I'm so freaking happy. My dad would think I'm manic. This is fantastic. You know? <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so a lot of things you talk about, I've been through and I, I honestly don't know how many times I've attempted suicide. Wow. I, I used to only count the ones that got me into hospitals. And wow. that was like five or six mental hospitals I had been locked up in. So, you know. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know, and I get that because, uh, well, that guy's way more fucked up. Than, and I, it was like going to prison as a young kid. Like I learned more ways to kill myself in the mental hospitals. Sure. And I made friends. Like I fell in love in each mental hospital as a teenager. Sure. Like these are my people. They get yeah, me. Right. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm jacked up like they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your, your father, you know, passing away, man. That's, you know. No, no, I, it was one of the best things that happened. So, and we, we can go there too. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, I mean, uh, it was a, it was a death. It was an end that everybody that knew him wanted to come. Uh, he was, he was battling cancer and dementia. Oh, well. Ne- I, ne- I, neither I, are pleasant and together right. they fucking sucked. Oh, so some relief came. Yes. So then, sure. and then I, so the morning that came surprised me because I thought it would just be relief. Huh. That, that was the surprise. And that's kind of why I, why am I not? I didn't feel, you know, I felt the relief on some point, but then I'd like, especially as I'm feeling better, oh, I got to call my dad. Oh, I can't. When did my dad, I'll tell him, oh yeah, I can't. And uh, I was an only child. I, mom and dad and they divorced when I was like five years old. I have no memory of them together. So like my tiny right. three person family just became just me and my mom. And right. Yeah. Married. I've been married 20 freaking years and I still think my wife has like five brothers and, and I, I think, I still think that's her family. Right. And I don't, and so I, I don't know where that comes from, but comes yeah. From but yeah, yeah but I, so I, the last time I was hospitalized, I was 23. So it's been a long time. So I don't know how much they've changed and, and being an adult in one's, 
certainly different from being a teenager and shit. But I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I guess probably most people think of like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, right? Yeah. I've never, I, mean, I was never in a place that bad. Is that what your experience was like? No, no, no. But I mean, I think that's what, I think that's what most people think of, right? Yeah. I mean, they do. And, and let's face it, movies, you know, embellish right often right for this for the the drama but you know they did do stuff like that they didn't do it at my place i mean they really were they cared people were there you did group talk about what's going on you know and um you know i motivated some people when i was in there i don't know what they did after but you know they were like wow man yeah you're right there's it's worth it and i'm like yeah i mean i mean if you're gonna be here do something with it you know do the best you can with what you've been given that's all you can do so, you know, I, you try to do the best you can. I think that, I think that the, the, the biggest fucking pain in the ass with mental illness is that if, if the situation's bad and your, your mental state is bad, it's awful. But sometimes it's good and your mental state is bad, so then it's neutral. Right. So you don't even get to like thrive in the like, oh, things are going well. It's just when it's going well, it kind of counterbalances the awful. So you're like, oh, it's okay. Right. I mean, that's really the biggest challenge I have is is being able to consciously see and, and be aware of, okay, that's just my subconscious. That's the mechanics. That's the engine with some bad oil in it right now. That's not what I think. That's what my mechanics are thinking, right? It's like, like if you think about the idea of breathing, right? You know, obviously our blood pumps automatically, our breathing pumps automatically. If you're, if you're, if you're back here is making you breathe funky, you would consciously be like, okay, I need to consciously breathe, right? That's what it is with mental illness, really, right? It's garbage coming in your head. You're a loser. You don't deserve to be here. You're trash. You should kill yourself. And, and then, you know, the, our brain to go, okay, I hear all that back here, but that's not really what I want. So I'm going to look beyond it. And that can be tough sometimes. It really can. Oh yeah. And it, I, yeah, it takes you know. effort. Like I, you know, that like what fucking pisses me off is when those shitty feelings come back. I'm like, I worked so fucking hard. How is it still here? And, it, and I, I'm, I have this uh, stage of just being fucking furious. And sometimes, like, you know, I want to off myself just, just to fucking end. And I'll know my, my wife would be like, well, this will end. This too shall pass. I'm like, fuck it. It comes back too. I'm like, I'm sick of it passing. You know, <laughs> I just get so fucking frustrated that, that uh, you know, you can feel that gross again after learning and motivating and helping yourself. And I'm just like, really? This, this isn't gone for good still? It's like a mental period. Yeah, it really is. It's like yeah. a mental period that we get maybe what two, three times a month. So I mean, it depends on you, I suppose. Yeah. No, I. I mean, and I, I've been. I've, I've gone years. That's why I thought I, I'm done with this. I've. I have. You know. Oh. Meds. No. Nope. No. No. Um, healthy most, eating. Uh, no, it's healthy thinking. Like I really proved to myself and got that. Um, so that's why I didn't like the explanation given to me. Like, oh, you're because if it's my my chemicals are all fucked up, I'll always be depressed. So that that depressed me. Of course, there's no there's no cure. There's nothing you're gonna do. I'm just on these pills, and I had such horrible side effects. I was a zombie. I was oh. walking into my locker in high school. Um, when I was first hospitalized, I was hospitalized for two months. They wanted to keep me longer. 
but I had such bad side effects. My mom agreed, like, this is, you're fucking them up. We're taking them out of here. Right. Um, I had, you know, some lithium's famous for having like a lithium shake. I had full on tremors. I couldn't walk. I would fall down. And then they gave me something to try to combat that. And I had vivid tactile hallucinations, like a stereotypical acid trip. I saw wow. rats. I felt spiders crawling up me. Um, I had some bizarre spiders. reaction. Yeah. I get a lot of spiders too. I was I do. walking, yeah. talking. But anyway, the, the doctors, the hospital told my parents, one of my friends must have come and, and slipped me street drugs. My, you know, my two best friends that came, oh. Like, oh. the all-star athletes, they don't smoke cigarettes. They don't like, the, that was like preposterous. Um, and, you know, I was, I, my dad was an AA. So I heard from, from birth, the evils of drink. And it's just, we'll fuck you up and it's no good. And seeing adults that hated their jobs, lived for the weekend to get fucked up and then start yeah. all over again. So that yeah. never appealed to me. And so I was very anti-drug. I was like, if I'm so miserable in my own skin that I need yeah. to take something to feel better, I don't want to live that life. Sure. But that, I, I applied that to um, pharmaceuticals. I applied it to everything. And people right. say, well, would you do that with diabetes? I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't take it. And yeah, if I have cancer, yeah, I'm not going to do chemo. Like that's just how I've thought <laughs> from sure. day one, right? Sure. Yeah, and strategy. It doesn't mean it doesn't work for you. It doesn't, you know, I don't, I, uh, but yeah, there's definitely a stigma, stigma around meds. But anyway, this most recent time for me, um, it began April and May. Um, I had lost, a, I had been laid off from a job last August, right around the time that we, <laughs> we were on Real Men Fail. So um, out of the blue, surprise, shock, but all right, I got savings, you know, it's fine. Uh, I was collecting unemployment, fine. So uh, in April, I learned that unemployment really ends. I thought, well, there's extensions. You just like, no, no, this is your last check. Oh, fuck. I didn't know that's how it worked. Um, so now I really start looking for a job instead of just half-assed looking for a job. Right. I'd also been found this um, coaching group. I won't bother mentioning the name because it was fucking bullshit. But they talked about, they said they uh, had mil military contracts and they had a system that insurers would pay for. And they were looking for thousands of coaches to come get trained and certified. And they would give you as many clients as you could take. I was like, this is, as a coach, that's the dream. I don't have to mark you. You like yeah. feed me clients and I just yeah, talk to them. Yeah. So I fell for that and they kept me going like, Andy, you're so good at this. You're going to be in charge of the East Coast. But it was, it was vaporware. There was nothing there. But really? I got strung along. Yeah. So I stopped marketing my own services. I focused. I believed this whole thing was coming. They kept having dates. Clear your calendar. It's going to start October 1st. Clear your calendar. It's going to start November 1st. It never fucking started. Um, mm. So that, that sucked. And uh, my stepmother died last September. And we always thought she would, my dad would die first. My dad has been battling, uh, had been battling uh, cancer since he was 65 for you know, eight years. Wow. I'm not, I can't do depressing math. <laughs> yeah, depressing math. That's, that's battling it. cancer and um, dementia. And I remember it was 12 years ago that he called me because he didn't know where he was. And he was told, the doctor just told him that your brain's shrinking. And he'd been on lithium from age 20 to age 65. No, like one of the first people doing that. So they thought, wow, it might be all the psych meds you've been on. Or, or, or he was literally, his brain was shrinking and getting smaller. It wasn't Alzheimer's, wasn't, it was, they just called it a generalized dementia, but uh, really guessing at causes. So he had a prolonged, just, you know, a, a slow 
period down and then got cancer as well and, and five different spots in his body by the time it was done. Anyway, we were sure he would die first. My stepmother would then have her relief, but she got so sick of dealing with him. She like will, she committed suicide in the slowest way possible. Sure. This was a 74 year old woman had not seen a doctor for at least 25 years and was sick, but she said, nope, I'm not doctors suck. Don't trust them. But um, if we were, if we were out to dinner and she went down, we were under strict orders. You don't call the EMTs. You don't let anybody revive me. Like this, this, that's what she was the most suicidal woman I've ever met. Wow. But took, took no concrete self-harm action, but sure. never did anything to help herself. Sure. So it was a really like yeah, um, yeah. passive right. aggressive suicidal. Right. Type. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was fucked up, but we thought she was going to be the one to live the longest, but uh, it, it, that, that didn't pan out. So, you know, my dad's got dementia. Um, he forgets that he's sick at all. He keeps trying to drive cars. Then he gets lost. He, uh, fucking, we had to, like, I'm, I will laugh telling these stories because you have sure. to. Um, he was sure. on his own street, and, but didn't know he was. And, and he was driving. Because he's a big guy, he still had motorcycles. Like you know, like his fucking love of life was driving and riding bikes. Sure. Um, when he couldn't physically get on a motorcycle, he bought a trike, and <laughs> this big fucking Harley trike that cost like more, you know, more than most cars do. Uh, yeah. All scraped up, hitting freaking sidewalks and bandit because it was learning to ride all over again. It steered really different. Uh, sure. it, you know, it's all scraped up from gas uh, gas pumps and at the gas station, oh. and just scraping everything left and right. But um, so he's on his own street. It's night. He doesn't know where he is. And he stops and, and asks some kid, hey, can you help me? I'm looking for, you know, since says his address. The kid's like, well, it's right there, sir. You're it's literally just down the street. You're like, I, I, I don't, could, could you just get in and show me for sure and help me get there? Because like, no, you know, I'm, I'm, don't talk to strangers. Don't get in the car. All those triggers. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So my dad takes out his wallet, tries to offer this kid money to get in the car with him. And, and the kid doesn't, and the kid's freaking out, and just says, it's right down there, and, and walks away. So my dad goes and, you know, does finally recognize his house, and he gets home fine. But the next day, you know, people knock on the door, who, who lives here? Like some, my son was terrified that there's some, you know, molester. So I had to tell them the story and talk to the police and let them know his state of mind and stuff. And sure. the police would tell us, like, do you think you should be driving? I'm like, no, but that's your job. To so he, he had, like, five accidents. One accident was hitting a police car. You know, and there's still, it took years before the state finally took his license away. Wow. But uh, then he would forget and he'd try to go to the garage. He'd try to get on his motorcycle. He'd fall down. He'd hurt himself trying to get his leg over a motorcycle, but wouldn't let us sell him. And it was, you know, it was like picking your battles and trying to let this guy have some sense of life and freedom because yeah, right. that was a big thing for him. But How uh, were you during those episodes? Like, how were you? How was that for you? <sighs> it sucked. Um, the whole, you know, accept what is. Um, so I never lived with my dad. We didn't have a father. My dad wants to be my best friend. Um, and one of the things we can share together is mental illness. So he was glad. He's like, let's go to the bipolar meeting. And I'm like, uh, and like that, was, that was one thing he thought we could share. And yeah, just, yeah not a thing I wanted to share with anybody. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, and again, he was an AA. When I was a kid, I was like, "Why well, can't we can't even go to a bar? I can't even have a drink with my dad." And, you know, this I was like, oh, "You suck." You, you know, when right. I was curious, like, "Why did you fucking have me?" If all, if all you can pass on is AA and bipolar gene, like, what the fuck are you doing having a kid? <laughs> but he, you know, he was he was twenty when he had me. He was sure he was a fucking kid. 
And, yeah. and he grown up and it, this like all like set the, I mean, I, I'm sure I came in predisposed and that's, that's the best way I can accept mental illness and like, sure. all right, I get it. I'm wired. I'm more likely to be depressed than someone else. Yeah. Um, but you know, he would always say things like, you know, high school, the best year of your lives. You know, the high school is the best. Then it's all downhill. I'm like, Oh, and it's not so much adult. Well, he had just gone out of high school. He's in college gets his girlfriend pregnant, gets married, has a kid, works two full-time jobs, and tries to keep going to school. I'm like, yeah, that would make high school seem like fucking A-OK times, right? But he's telling me this. I'm in elementary school. I'm not liking myself. I'm not liking my life. I'm this fat kid. I'm smart. It's not cool to be smart. So I pretend to be dumb and uh. just to get have, have friends. And I'm the kid that will do anything on a dare to, to get you to like me. Um, which made me un- very, very unpopular with the people I was there to do shit to. Sure. And I'm thinking, so high school is the peak? Well, right now it's kind of really shitty. So when I was, uh, I can remember, when I was in the fifth grade, I decided I would kill myself by the time I'm 18. Wow. Like if high school's the best, why the, why the fuck go beyond it? Yeah, why well, keep going? No sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're, you know, I was in this blue collar industrial town. Again, most people, most adults I saw talked about how much they hated their jobs. They just would just get fucked up on the weekends. And my dad told me how bad that was. And that, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people brag about partying and I'm being taught that, nope, that feels horrible. That's a dead end. It goes nowhere. I was like, then, so yeah, I felt like there were no options and why do this to myself? Right. So, so yeah. So my first attempt was at age 13. Um, And as soon as I, like, I was terrified. Like I, 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 so they, I made the attempt. I, I, I tried to OD and almost as soon as I had done it, I was like, Oh my God, no, I want to live. Like I want to live. No, this is this, what's wrong. No. And then I went and cried and told my mom what had happened. And, uh, and we didn't follow up. We were both so scared and no parent wants to, no parent wants to believe their, their children are so, fucked up or miserable that they don't want to live. So we just acted like it didn't happen. Uh-huh. So it wasn't until I made a more serious attempt and an ambulance was called and I was in, uh, I was in a coma for a couple days. Wow. And when I woke up from that in the host hospital, I was pissed. I was pissed that I was alive. Uh-huh. So, you know, there are the people that, you know, try and then, oh, I'm alive. Oh, and they, it's one attempt and they see the light and having a great experience. And I was like, I mean, fuck, I can't even do this right. Right. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not failing and having a good experience. I'm glad that I failed. I'm just fucking failing. I can't, I can't live. I have no idea how to live. I'm, my attempts to die are not working. I've tried it multiple times. Um, you know, I'm hospitalized for, for weeks and months at a time back then. Insurance company, insurance companies were great back then. You could, you could be a kid and be locked away for months and months and months, um, which they gladly would have kept me. Um, uh, so I get, come out, don't know what to do with myself. Um, I was ranked fourth in my high school class at this time, but I'm terrified that it's all bullshit. I, I'm hmm. sure that I'm, I, I'm just king of the idiots. I, I, I'm just the smartest of these fucking morons. I, if I go to college, I'll be seen for the fraud that I am. And, right. you know, I had scholarships and I only applied to schools when my parents would make me. I only filled out um, applications mm. if they didn't have an essay. So I, just, like, it was, I took the, the weakest, most half-assed way. And I, but I got scholarships to every place I applied, but I didn't go. Um, 
I remember the first day of what should have been my freshman year, and uh, I was accepted at, at Clark University in Worcester, and they were calling and emailing, and were so excited, they gave me a door. I'm like, I'm not going. Like, no, but no one believed me. And I think my mom just refused to believe me, hoping that I would change my mind. So everyone was set. Every, you know, there were no bills to pay because I had a full boat, but I wow. I've accepted it, said, but I'm like, I'm not going. No one, no one believed me. Um, so I had two years of kicking around, and eventually I, I did go to college. There was, there, was one, uh, there was a state school, University of Massachusetts, that kept, there was just, they sent me like, and just defer, eh, maybe next year. And I did it twice. And like, that was the best thing for me. I had two years to pretend to be an adult and realize, and I would ask people, I would ask doctors, and, and I got hospitalized three times between high school and college. And uh, people would give me tests and go like, we, sh we should be sending you to Harvard. We should, but you're, you know, you're so smart. Why are you doing that? I'm like, I'm so smart. Why do I, I don't fucking give a shit about anything. You know? Yeah, right. Um, but doctors told the best advice, what made me go to college, because uh, I was like, well, what's the point? There's, you know, no one, but uh, this woman told me um, the point of college is to prove you can do something for four years. That's all. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's the best reason I've ever heard. I'm like, all right, it's just to show you that I can do something and stick with yeah. something for you, right? I'm like, yeah. all right. So I, I ended up, and I, I went uh, to UMass because I had a bunch of friends there. It was safe. I knew a lot of people, you know, and I got there. And I, yeah, the classes were freaking easy. And I was like, wow. And then I'm like, geez, maybe I could have I gone to Harvard. What would have happened then? But I, I'm still friends with the guys I, you know, roomed with and shit. So it all, you know, everything has worked out. And there's all sorts of cliches about that. And I think, yeah. not that you've said the cliche, but that, you know, of the shit times, of being hospitalized ends up being, you know, horrifying and liberating and learning and growing. And, you know, like I wouldn't change anything. Like it, it, it fucking absolutely sucks in the moment. And it seems like it's never going to end. But then when it, like when that little bit of perspective in time, like, wow, yeah, that, that was a good thing. Yeah. 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 So, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I feel like I did an hour and a half soliloquy here. You did. You're uh, in a good place. You are manically uh, high. That's good. You're on, <laughs> you're on an upside. That's good, man. You know, uh, at least that's the way we look at it, right? Would you rather be down and depressed or would oh, you yeah. rather be manic and happy? I'd rather be manic and spazzy and be like, <laughs> yay, life is so amazing. Look, I have Cheerios. Yay. Like, you know. Yeah. yeah my, my dad would have manic periods and just not sleep and like launch three different new entrepreneurship businesses and in a weekend and stuff. And I'd be like, oh my God, he's just all these weird interests. And I didn't. And I, yeah. I thought too, like, I guess, I guess that's, I mean, if you're going to be sick, I guess that's the best sick way to be. You get all this. Right. Stuff. Right. But then he'd, he'd crack his, his manic periods didn't last long at all. Hmm. So it was almost like a lot of smoke and mirrors and then the crash and nothing would happen. And, and I, as a, as a kid, as a, you know, even as a, a young adult would judge him and I think, well, you had all these great, what the fuck you, why didn't you follow through? And you know, so I judged him really harshly cause I didn't understand it all. Now do you get it though? Oh yeah. 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 Um, but it, cause I didn't see my, you know, I was just, I saw my dad, you know, four hours every other Sunday or something. He did not have a good relationship with his dad at all. Um, uh. his dad, uh, was physically abusive. Um, so my dad always wanted to be my best friend. And I was like, well, sometimes I need a fucking dad just to don't do that. <laughs> do this. And I'd never, <laughs> um, so just, a, a weird, collage of experiences but um so people support 
Yeah. yeah. Let's talk yeah, about but, some people support. So what did actually what I what I would like to get to Okay. When you told your wife, I don't think I'm safe, and you gave her permission to call someone. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like what 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 was going on in your head? What was there one thought? Was there one th- what what proved to you that wow, I'm at this dangerous place for myself? Because the ideations, right? The ideations, as they call them, suicidal ideations, the idea of the act of were repeating with such consistency, right? It's different than, you know, and I I don't think everybody does because I I think I've seen people on Facebook whenever I mentioned it were like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that, you know? Not everybody thinks that, but I think a lot of people who are broken by something in life, right? A layoff or a breakup physically, or there's a, you know, medical news or something. You're like, man, maybe I should just, you know, take it off. I think everybody has those, right? They're like, should, you know, it's an A, B. Yeah. A, keep going. B, choose out. A, keep going. B, choose out, right? And I think there were so many repeating choose outs and I felt so unworthy. I do think that's the worst for people with MI. I do. Is that when, when the experience in life, when the situations, you had said earlier, situations, and I said phase, right? With situations pile on top in life that somebody feels unworthy, it's the easiest to choose out, right? Because if you feel unworthy, why stay? Because if somebody thinks they're unworthy, then clearly in their mind, logically, they think nobody cares about them, right? Because if they, if they, were, if they thought people cared, they would feel worthy, right? I mean, that's, you know, it's funny. I was listening to, just as a, a reference point, I was listening to Howard Stern talking to Bono and The Edge on an interview. And, you know, Bono and, and The Edge, were t- and Bono doesn't like his singing years ago. He, he was off note, off pitch a bunch of times. Although most of us love him, you know, we're like, oh my God, you know, you too, you know, one of the number one bands, you know, on the planet, you know, and he was saying, he goes, you know, he goes, no front man for any band is healthy. He goes, anybody that needs 20,000 people or more to be like, we love you. I, you love me to feel love, right? To fill their love tank. That's not healthy but it does explain the worthiness, right? It, even if he felt low, 20,000 people loving you makes you feel worthy for a while. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think feeling worthy is important. We were talking earlier, you know, before we started, what are some of the anchors? And I think, I think it's important to have ways to feel worthy. You know, I just didn't feel worthy. I mean, I felt so bad that I was constantly having these episodes with my wife and she had to do, you know, heavy lifting and, you know, oh my God, you know, is he going to choose out now? Is it time? You know, because my mother did choose out, right? My mother chose out when she was eight and failed. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever dealt with any kind of suicide, like real suicide, you know, and I found her when she had not succeeded. And then she succeeded when I was 23. So whatever, what is that, 15 years later? Yeah, 15 years later, right? So not only did I have some thoughts, but I have a, I have a, a, a heritage of it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like dad who runs a bank and the son's like, hey, I'm going to be a banker. You know, you have a parent that's like, oh, I'm suicidal. 
then that strategy, because really suicide is a strategy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and like people that don't get it, it it's, it's because they've never had the thought. It, it's never been an option to them. And that's why like, well, how can you possibly think that way? I'm like, well, you haven't. So don't worry about it. I'm glad it doesn't make sense to you. Don't try to understand it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Don't think about it. But it is just a strategy. I mean, it is, right? It's just like a guy who goes, oh, I'm going to go to college. That's my strategy. And they work and they work to go to college and they do everything they can. Uh, unless they're like a brainiac like you and they get a free ride and waste it and just poop all over it. But, you know, hey, man, people make choices, dude. <laughs> I like a good poop. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, and in the moment, I was, I was planning. Now, you've done it, so you understand it, right? But it was, the, it was the state of mind of actually planning how would I do the act? What would I do to to unplug me, like what would that be? And it became so vivid for me, I was concerned. I was, I was, I, I didn't think I was gonna be able to do anything. But, so so I, you, you were having the suicidal thoughts, mm. but, but you knew you wanted to be alive. I mean, I or did, something. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't like saying it this way, but you know, in the hard line of things, it's like, okay, fucker, choose in or choose out. But if you're gonna choose in, fucking choose in. Don't do this little wavery thing like I'm gonna I'm gonna choose out. Watch, I'm gonna do it. Like, you know, either fucking choose the fuck out, but you don't wanna do that. Do you really? No. Then you gotta grab some lines. Like you gotta grab, you know, some you know, life preservers. You gotta really make sure that you're not going to go underneath when this part of the brain takes over, right? Because that's really what it does. It's just, it's like over here, it's like a, a big black shield kind of comes over your, your conscious mind, yeah, right? Yeah. You can't see hope, you can't see possibility, they're all gone, and then you're like, oh, fuck it. But, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what it is, man. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've done anything exceptional in my life per se. I've certainly had some great moments in my life. I have. I've certainly gone for it in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe I'll do something, you know, in 10 years or five or 20. I, I don't know. But right now, I just feel like an average guy that's just, you know, staying on top and not drowning, you know, from life, right? You know, trying not to drown or not drowning specifically. And so that's when I just did my best to really kind of go for it. You know, just to really start, I mean, I've always gone for it. You know that. As bipolar, we always hate life, and then we absolutely relish life, right? You get that? Yeah. Yeah, right? It's awful. I hate it. I hate you. I hate me. I hate this. I hate technology and car. You know, it's just a bunch of shit. And it just becomes this big hate thing of poop in life. But the other side is this super dreamy, I can do anything, anything's possible, right? Like your father, you know, I'm gonna go for it, entrepreneur, you know, and you, we're just, I, again, the average person is here, right? They're, they're kind of up in here, and bipolar is here, right? They're all the way up here, but they're all the way down here as well. Like, eh, but we also get the benefit of going here when regular people only have this much room. So here's the top of regular, we get like 45, 50% more up. And if we're smart, you know, we, get, we see that, or at least I did, it was like, okay. So it's like a wave, it's like the ocean, right? It really is, right? It's like the ocean, high tide, low tide, high tide, low tide. 
And what I learned is when that fucking tide is high, it is time to get on the surfboard and ride it as hard and long as you can because it will drop down here. And then when it drops down here, I would, at least I used to, now I can't because I'm married, but I would just hole up, you know, I would, I would just hole up in my house and kind of, you know, watch movies that made me feel good. Uh, you know, I had a bunch of DVDs of good movies that would like inspire me or lift me. Um, or, you know, I game out like a lot of guys do, right? They just drop into gaming and do some video games and shit. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that when you say, well, it's not funny. <laughs> it can be. When you Let's laugh, man. You wouldn't Fuck notice it. Yeah, dude. dude. Mental illness is hilarious, dude. Oh, shit. <laughs> you would drop in and, but still be actively watching movies, trying to like raise you out of that down period. I, I, I would. I, when I go dark, I'm like, bring it on. I watch, I watch movies that make me ball. When I'm depressed, I, I choose entertainment to keep it there. And I'm like, so I'm like, what the fuck is that about? And that's one of the reasons I, like, in this most, this most recent experience, lasting months, when it had no reason to, like, why am I, but it does, it does come to worthiness, because I'm like, why am I resisting? i like, I could do this and feel better. Fuck that. Like, I chose, consciously chose to feel shittier when I had the options in, in these recent months. And, uh, like, we, were, we had to put our house on the market. And this might have, so financially, we're strapped. My dad is dying. He has months to live. He's in hospice, but staying at his home, it's, it's all taken care of. Um, my stepmother left it so the house is paid for and he can see he has the right to stay there. Because um, they were divorced. They, uh. um, they were divorced and living together. They lived together, divorced, longer than they were ever married. And so it was, there's not a single, when I stop and look at any element of my family, there's not any aspect that's not totally fucked up and abnormal. But um, so he's there and we're strapped and, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in my 50s now, I'm like job hunting in your 50s and I'm in high tech and web stuff. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> you can't be. You're older than web. You can't know this crap. So I'm getting nowhere with job hunts where we're literally down to where we're, uh, we're living off fucking yard sales just wow. to keep going. I'm selling. I had to sell my uh, collection of uh, over 200 Metallica T-shirts. I sold my Kiss pinball machine. I sold all sorts of just stuff I've had since I was a kid. I, you know, and it was, and it hurt. It was, and to make me to survive that, I had to be suicidal. Oh. I, uh, none of this matters. It's just fucking stuff. Nothing matters. It's just right. meaningless, right? And that's, so that's kind of what started my downslide. And I don't know if my wife knows, I don't know if anyone knows it because I like, I just let her lead. When you got to sell that, I'm like, fine. So that, yeah, fine. Nothing matters. Yeah, right. You know? um, so uh, we had to act like, if you ever had to get your house staged for selling it, you're going to take every picture down of you. Nothing, nothing can be anything. So hide all my kiss, hide all my Metallica, hide all my movie stuff, hide every evidence that we lived here. So I'm living in this fucking sterile house. And uh, my three-legged dog starts having seizures, oh. brand mouth seizures. Um, where she just foams in the mouth, she pees all over me. Sometimes she shits, and uh. I'm like, "What the fuck?" Um, and we gotta like clean up the house and get out of here. And it's like, so again, accepting what is, we're gonna move, we're gonna be whatever, fine. And uh, people come and look at the house, and a couple had was coming for the third time, so I know an offer's coming, and I'm not happy. I'm like, we didn't want to leave, but we thought uh. we had to. And our the you know the horrible plan we had was well, if the house sells. 
Um, we move in with my dad, take care of him for however, you know, four to six months, maybe it's a year, whatever it is. Um, we get the call from hospice um, that my dad has weeks to go. He's, he just has weeks, he's down to weeks. Wow. Um, two days before, it was six months. Now it's down to like two weeks. Wow. So I call, I, I talk to him, talk to him, like, I can't, I can't sell a house move and with nowhere to go now and have him die. I just, I will not live through that. Um, so I had to call the realtor, say, taking the house off the market, sorry. And she was really cool because she knew we didn't want to sell. So she's like, oh, did you get a job? I'm like, no, my, my, dad's, my dad's about to die and I can't do all this. She's like, oh. That's too much. Sorry. Um, so again, trying to accept what is yeah. and, and just, so that's what was the most painful thing. All right, I'm accepting what is. I don't like any of these options. I don't want to sell my house. I don't want to move in with my cancerous, demented dad. And so, and they, those are the only two options I had. So it was so, it was the most difficult time of my life because I felt hopeless and helpless. And that's the recipe for death for me, and I think for anybody. But to be hopeless and helpless, but what was new was I felt something more behind that. A sense of faith, a sense of something that I wasn't used to, that, that the fucking crap, when did I start doing this? In 2006, I really started going into spirituality and personal growth and choosing to focus on the best and knowing that my thoughts, you know, my emotions don't control my thoughts, my thoughts can control my emotions. Unless I've, I'm swept away in my emotions, then it's even harder. But that, right. that's why it's a challenge. That's why it takes effort to change your own pattern. It does. But, so the recognition there, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, so I'm depressed, I'm down, I'm struggling, and I'm waiting for the bottom to really drop out. Hmm. Um, and this goes on for a couple months. So now it's, it's early July. We take the house off the market, and my dad died July 14th. And again, it was, thank God. like. Right. Uh, the last year, he couldn't do anything. He, we had to lock everything so he couldn't leave the house because um, he would try to. He, one moment, the police are out to get him. The next moment, we're the bad people and we need to call the police. He thought he had a job. He kept complaining. He's like, this job sucks. I'm like, well, Dad, you live here. This, this isn't a job. <laughs> like, he's like, when's the second shift come? When do I get relieved? I'm like, you don't have a job. This is where you live. You're just being you. And he's like, what? Well, so it was all oh, fucked up but funny. Um, but anyway, so he finally... He, he did die, and he really, it lasted two weeks. From the time we were told he had two weeks, it was two weeks. Wow. And, uh, you know, me and my wife, we're, we're energy people, we're spiritual people, so we, we're having, you know, weirdos come to the house and clear the energy and sage the room and do things. And, uh, and, I'm, and every time I try to tune into, like, why is my dad still here? He's so, so, what the fuck is he doing here? Every time I tried to read into that with the Akashic Records or reading energy or anything, I was like, he's here out of fear. He fears death more than being sick and alive. Wow. And um, so the, the, a woman comes to clear and, and it was really neat because uh, the, the, uh, we had a live-in helper for him and this was new to her and she's like, what? And, you know, so she's listening, does some of the clearing things and she's like, oh my God, I, I felt that. Like, wow. So we're, uh, my wife is like life coaching the caretaker for my dad all the time that she's been in the house too. So it was, it was kind of neat and trippy. But anyway, she, she turns to me and says, your dad's your dad can't go because he's afraid of of how you are. You need to tell him that you're okay. Oh. And I couldn't. 
he held on for three to four days beyond needing to because he was scared about my condition. Um, yeah, I, I could not verbalize. I couldn't lie. I couldn't say, I'm fine. Go. I'd say go. There's nothing you can do here. Go. There's no reason for you to stay. But I couldn't say, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he died and the sense of, well, relief and we go to the house and, and there's, there is relief because now there's some financial relief. You know, some money's coming to me and, you know, we're, we're, we're selling, selling possessions and, you know, I'm selling the, Har- the, the Harleys that I thought I would inherit and happily be riding around. I just, I just looked at them and I just saw a sick old man who can't ride them. I don't, I don't right. want to. You don't want those. Yeah. So there was nothing that, uh, you know, there's no material things that I wanted that meant something. So we'd, you know, so not, now we've been living on the cash of selling all my debt. <laughs> Again, we kind of, we're living off of better yard sales towards the second half of the summer. Um, and uh, I had gone like 10 interviews deep at two different companies. And the final interviews are at the same time period. It's late June, early July. And like my dad, I'm like, I'm amazed that I, you're still talking to me. I'm like, I'm thinking like, um, ball, I feel like I must be an emotional mess in these job interviews, but somehow I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk marketing. This is fucking fantastic. Dreams come true. You know, I'm like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I love being part of the team. You know <laughs> it. I'm here for you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't really know if, if I got offered a job, but anyway, my, my, again, my dad passed. I would have, I couldn't have taken a new job. Couldn't have, couldn't have done it. So that's why I see, well, good. Synchronicity. Universe is looking out for me. You know, yeah. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, when we feel like we can't handle what we're given, we have a much lower judgment and belief of what we can handle. Um, we can handle a lot. It's really amazing. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, we can handle everything. It's the human condition. It's just a I mean, really, we can handle an yeah. enormous amount. And and one thing you've mentioned a couple times, or at least mentioned it a couple times, triggered this thought in me that you know what I see as one of the biggest myths around depression and suicide is people that talk about it's the easy out because it ain't yeah, fucking easy. It's yeah, the hard. It's selfish. a hard fucking out. Yeah. You know, um, anytime that I hear about someone, you know, dying by their own hands, I I just it, it crushes me because uh, to know that they were in so much pain that they, they, they gave up believing there's any other way. And, and cause die and you're, you're going against every instinct in your being to, to overcome that. And that's why, you know, so many, so many people that die by suicide did it drunk or high that, you know, they're trying to, I got to dull myself so that I can get rid of myself. Right. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, so that it's just, yeah, it just sucks. <laughs> but that's what I feel. I feel just like, Oh, it just crushes me. Cause you know, you could have chose, you could have chose something else and you could have reached out for help. And, you know, cause that's what it, it's. Well, speaking of reaching out for help, let's talk about, um, let's talk about the hotline. Okay. The suicide hotline. Yeah. We so, both had different experiences yeah. with that. And I yeah. think, uh, if this is a chunk to cover, I think we should talk about this. I think earlier you talked about how you were like, great, it was there for you. You felt supported, right? And I had talked about how when I called, it was, man, it was really yeah. like. And this is, you, 
this was pre-show. So t- t- tell your whole experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so talking about it, Andy and I have been talking. And, you know, my experience was when I called the suicide hotline, uh, I mean, they were certainly kind, but their answer was really like, well, have you done anything yet? What do you mean have I done anything? Well, have you actually attempted it? So unless I have a razor on my wrist, a gun to my head, a noose on my neck, you know, poison in my system, they don't really do anything. They don't call anybody. They'll ask you. They'll be like, we could call, but there's no reason to call because you haven't harmed yourself. So technically, we can't really do anything until you actually harm yourself. And I found that incredibly unsupportive. They didn't guide me to, you know, some shrink or a psychologist. Hey, we're going to set you up to talk to somebody. No, it just sounded like some, you know, I don't know, some like pre-med student on the line trying to be, you know, supportive of people. And I think when we talked earlier, you know, because you said you had an amazing experience, obviously you'll share in a moment. But for me, as much as I appreciate the, the fact that the hotline is there for people, I'm sure they help people. I want people listening to this, whoever may ever listen to this, to be aware that the hotline is only as good as you are. Right? It's only as good as the help you're going to ask for. They're not going to necessarily save you. You're actually saving yourself, right? When you call, you're telling the world, hey, I want an out in, like an in back into life, right? So it's important for people to realize you're the in back into your life. Like somebody could give you a hug. Somebody can give you some meds. Somebody can listen to you vent about something that really broke your heart. In the end, though, you have to choose back in. Always. Never changes. Nope, nobody's going to support your life more than you do. I mean, unless you're a rock star, right? And then 500 people will support you. But even then, not really. They can always listen to a DVD or a download. I mean, really, they don't really need you there to hear the music again. Just to use a very morose example. (laughs) So that's my experience. There's my nugget on the hotline. I'd like to pass that baton back to you, Andy Grant. Yeah, so – and. So what I find the benefit of the hotline, what I tell people they're good for is it's for if you don't think you have anyone to talk to because they're just, there's someone to listen. Yeah. They're not going to act on your behalf. They can't do something to you or for you. But if you've never said out loud to someone else, like I'm fucking terrified because I feel so bad or all I can think about is putting a gun in my fucking mouth. That's, that's when I find is hotline is fantastic. So I, again, I don't know what your expectations were, but I've only, I've called a hotline once and um, I really thought I wanted to die, yet I knew I didn't want to die. But I, uh, because well, henceforth of all, you called, right? I mean, yeah. really. It, as you know. it, so through my teens, it, it, the last time I was hospitalized, I put myself in a hospital before I tried anything. And that was momentous i've never done that i've only i would make a suicide attempt it would fail i got help i thought that's how it worked then i realized oh maybe i don't have to make the attempt ah so slow learner in many respects of life but (laughs) so again it's it's shit what was i I uh, i'm in my 40s um feeling really suicidal feeling very frustrated life isn't you know, I thought I'd be happier. I thought I'd have, you know, whatever I thought it wasn't. Yeah, your progress would be further along. Yeah, yeah your comparison, comparison to everybody family. else. So I, uh, I decided I'm going to, you know, I live in Massachusetts. Gun, gun, gun laws are really strict here. I've never owned a gun, never been in a house with a gun. 
Um, really? Yeah. No, I've, uh, when I've been wanting a gun, I would go, oh, I got to fucking apply for a test. I got to take a course. I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go in this course ball and then I'm going to, you know, like, yeah, you're going to flunk out, buddy. You know, <laughs> so I've never gone gun shopping when I'm, when I'm content, I don't want one. And, you know, but, uh, yeah. so I'm on top of a building and, I'm thinking about jumping. It's not even, I've gone to this particular building cause I think wow. it's high enough. I've got, I know I can get access and the fall will kill me. And I go there because I want an experience. I, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, the clouds to park, the light to come down. I'm expecting some big aha moment that I feel like got to take this action to have the experience of. And I'm walking around and I'm looking over and I'm standing. I'm like, all right, just one step. And like, I'm not having experience. I'm just like, well, I know I don't want to do this, but where's the big aha? Like, again, slow learner. It wasn't until like fucking months or years later, I'm looking back, oh, well, I kept discovering I didn't want to do this. What was, wasn't that enough? <laughs> but, but it wasn't. So I, I call the fucking hotline and I'm like, I'm standing up here. I want to jump, but I also know that I don't. And then just yeah. telling, saying it out loud instead of ruminating in my head brought some relief, brought of uh, an exhale on multiple levels um and they're just like so what do you want to do now and they're like i think now i'm just gonna go home they're like that's great I'm like oh thanks i'm like oh and so um you know i was at the point i was gonna act and and yeah. just it's a diversion it's talk it's i could say whatever the fuck i wanted to say and they like i don't know who it was that yeah. call me back and that the it's totally anonymous it's totally safe it's not recorded you can you can say whatever you want um, so that's why I liked it. And I could finally have an experience and tell people, oh, they, yeah, but they're not going to, they're not your best friends. If you're calling looking for a buddy, it's just the wrong thing to call. Yeah. You know, they can't meet you. They're not going to, you're not going to go out for dinner. But if you just want a place to regurgitate your humanity and have someone listen to it, they work on that level. <laughs> they for me. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah. good. Who else? Uh, so how about exercise? Let's talk about oh. if, if you're comfortable with that. I, you know, yeah. tis the season. A lot of people get depressed during the holiday season. Uh, just in case you didn't see it, I want the world to see the awesome tree right there. Look at that bad boy. <laughs> Look at that little star up top, right? All that Make, good Christianity. By the way, I'm about Santa uh, Claus. I don't know about Jesus Christ, but I know about <laughs> Santa. Filling the sack, you know what I'm saying? Filling that big, fat sack. Anyway, no, I am, I'm a big, you know, I, I believe in being good and all that, you know, <laughs> I can't help it. Most of the world ignores the 10 commandments. You know, everybody's like, I need to understand the Bible. There's 10 commandments, dude. It's not, it's right there. It's very yeah. simple. Yeah. A little Just block. Go by the cliff notes. He'll yeah, cliff notes. <laughs> That's it, dude. Exactly. 10 commandments are the cliff notes to the Bible. If you're trying to interpret a fable, uh, don't lie. Uh, don't kill people. Don't steal. That's your basics. So those of you who are stealing, lying, and you know adultery and all that shit, and you're trying to like read some fable about a fucking sheep on a mountain and you know some bush, uh, you know, let's keep it simple, folks. Okay, <laughs> keep it glowy. Tis the season to be a uh, jolly. Okay, yeah. that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but I'm about, I'm about to break into silent night. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Now back to but again. But, they, that, but that's it, the, the evils of comparison because it's not a jolly t like. Uh, one of one of my attempts was between Christmas and New Year's because they were never happy. I was like, I fuck this. I'm not. I don't think I'll ever be happy. I got no presents. I have no one in my life. Blah blah blah. So, you know, there, you, know, you, you you can find a stat to make fucking Easter seem like it's the most suicidal time too. I'm sure, but yeah, 
it's it's whenever people act or think about it but tell you what my wife and i because we're talking about things to do to raise ourselves up i think it's a good time for that if you're good yeah so people support and how do you raise yourself up so i will say this so for the last few years um i have sung carols during christmas to you know we've gone to uh vet vet the va center uh we've gone to some of the uh you know hospice homes, you know, old age homes, uh, although I don't know if that's PC or not. Um, you know, this year we're doing it again in Tampa. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's, I, I've learned this over the years. When you're about other people, a lot of times you're fulfilled. Yeah. Right. It really is. Cause poor me, poor me is an egocentric kind of thing. It is right. It's very selfish. And of course, I mean, I know people think people who choose out are selfish and they don't get, it's not about you. It's about their pain, you know, it's about their own pain. Anyway, being about other people. I think one of the things to raise up, do a little something for other people, you know, like you, I think you do this. I think this generates you, right? This, this real men thing lifts you, doesn't it? Yeah, usually. <laughs> yeah, usually, right? So it's, 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 it's something that is about other people. So I just, I think it's important for your, your listeners or watchers to say, okay, right. What can you do to help others, right? Really? Even yeah. now, look, if you're drowning, obviously you can't help others. You need to have a foundation of like basic living going, but then look, where can you help others? Right. Where can you be about other people? Yeah. So, yeah, we say, yeah, being, being of service, uh, volunteering with animals, volunteering for other people, helping old ladies across the street with their groceries, all that takes the focus off of you. And when the focus on me is a shitty focus, you know, take, putting on someone else can, can really help. And, and no, you're totally right. And you mentioned exercise earlier too. And uh, I worked out, we, we, we connected earlier, and yeah, I, when I'm at my peak, I'm hitting the gym five to six times a week. Um, this part of the circumstances of my summer of hell, um, selling my pinball machines that I didn't want to sell, I uh, tried to overpower and overcompensate and pick them up and move them downstairs and rip tendons in my oh. right arm, left arm, was told don't exercise for six weeks. And of course, by the time of if not exercise for six weeks, combined with everything else, like not that I can exercise. Yeah, I'm not fucking leaving the couch. I was sleeping 14 hours a day, nothing but wow. watch TV. And I just kept choosing it over and over and over until mm -hmm. I finally like, fuck this. Why am I keep doing this? And uh, so, yeah, I'm back and I've been hitting the gym three to four times a week for the past month. Yeah, exercise rocks. I'm going to get it. I, if I'm sweating and moving and trying to do shit, I can't think about how much everything sucks. <laughs> I agree. Exercise yeah. is key, man. I don't yeah. care who you are. I don't care if you're a regular person. I don't care if you're an MI person. Exercise and water is key. Yep. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. Really being hydrated. That's true too. So many people are sick and they're freaking dehydrated. They don't, but they don't know it. Yeah. So the secret, I'll, I'll, this is, I'll share I'll, something I learned from a motivational speaker. Uh, I think his name is Maddox. He's a 14 year old motivational speaker. He gets paid like $10,000 a speech. Him and his father, his father got him reading all his books, but his mantra when he gets up in the morning, he gets a glass of water, he makes his bed, and then he brushes his teeth every morning. And the reason why, of course, hydrating in the morning, always the best thing to do, right? Get water and making the bed, man. It makes you feel like you've done something. I didn't really get that as a kid. I hated my life, so I hated my bed, right? Rather than being like, oh, I'm doing something, I've accomplished something, it gets the mind right, right? It gives you a little dopamine. Then obviously, if you brush your teeth, you know, people don't like, you know, run from you when you talk to them, you know. 
Yeah. And it, I, it, I was, it's the power of rituals. Yep. What do you do? What are some rituals you do that you think help Gratitude, you? Gratitude, journaling, medit yeah. meditation saved my life. I've been meditating uh, consciously, deliberately since 2006, one of the first tools to help me like witness my own thoughts. Um, and I, 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 I wrote a book called Still Here, How to Succeed at Life After Failing at Suicide. And it's all the tips and techniques that I, that saved my life. Wow. And this summer I stopped, stopped doing them all. Took them all down, all my rituals down to zero. And, uh, you know, it's like to, to serve as a, an example of what happens when you don't follow your own advice or my advice or anyone's advice. But so I've slowly been adding all my rituals back, but yeah, gratitude is huge. Yeah. And, and I poo pooed this. I had so many therapists tell me to journal and to gratitude. And I thought, Oh, this is just such a girly little princess thing and a, a glitter pen. And I'm going to write about how awesome everything is. And like, that's bad. That's a cock until I did it. And everything I, everything I do every fucking day that makes me feel good is, is something I used to make fun of. I know. So if we're, if we're telling, you know, like, Oh, I've heard exercise forever. That's bullshit. Yeah. How many times have you exercised in the last month? You know, the last week, the last yeah. two weeks. You, I agree welcome. with journaling. Gratefuls too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, you're all welcome to think anything's bullshit, but base it on your experience, not your expectation or your decision of it. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Exercise. Like I, I used to be uh, a gym rat, just working out, working out, punch, benching as much as I could, and I, every three or four months, I'd get injured. That's so right. Like, Screw this. So now I'm, I'm doing all the classes. I'm doing all these Les Mills classes. I love freaking combat classes. I'm often the only guy in a class. And a, and a heavy male class, there's three of us with like 30 women. And it's fucking hard work. And it's, it's, I'm sweating to death and I'm grunting and groaning and it, it feels fantastic. But you know it all. Like the exercise releases the same endorphins that, that pharmaceuticals do. Dopamine. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you're really looking for when you're, when you're depressed is to refill your dopamine, yep. right? And it works. Yeah. yeah. Exercise is the cheapest, lowest barrier to entry. To, of it is, man. To do to feel better. Yeah, pay 25 bucks a month for a gym. Just go and get a partner. Yeah. Get a partner, you know. Or hell, you don't even need that. Like, run. Or if you're, depending, if you're really just, in, just fucking get outside and walk. Just, yeah, just walk, man. in the sun. Because I, yeah, I withdraw. I go dark. I'm off social media. Like, I, I will sleep when I was sleeping. I was literally sleeping 12 and 14 hours a day. And then I would still take a nap in the afternoon. Like, but it was all like, I'm going to, I'm, I just, I hate myself. I hate what's happening. I'm just going to force myself to hibernate. Uh, it's just fucking bananas. But it's, we have so much more power and choice than, than I'm often willing to accept and, and claim and use. Yeah. yeah right. Mm. Yeah. We have a lot but, of power, man. Yeah. So exercise, uh, meditation, journaling, you know, um, and even I would tell, you know, people are kind of surprised at this when I, when I speak about my, my, my background and things that worked, I, I call it like, you know, negative journaling helps too. you like, don't save it, but it's all the, right. All the shit in your head, give it somewhere else. Like everything fucking sucks. I mean, like you're definitely kill him, kill that guy, kill it, you know, and then fucking burn it, throw it away. But while it's all spinning in your head, it's damaging you so much. So get that out too. Then you can be yeah. so grateful. I, you know, vented all morning. <laughs> you know, like you're just something to be grateful for. Then. Yeah, man, get it out. Get that stuff out of your head. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. But those are big, and we, we both have very supportive wives, right? Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah, yeah we do. Um, yeah, I'll share one story because it's kind of a warning. So I grew up with with doctors and psychiatrists and counselors and talking to people and. 
I kind of thought they were all like robots and tell them whatever and it doesn't affect them and whatever. Um, my wife told me, I kept trying to make my wife not marry me and to split up with me and like, no, you don't know how bad it gets. You know, I, I, you know, yeah, everything is great now. So it should be bad. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, she stuck around and, but it, she said, you can tell me anything. I was like, okay. So I did. Yeah, honey, I, I'm, I'm going to go out to that building and see if I should jump to my death today. All right. Bye. Yeah. Um, I thought her saying, I, I can tell her anything. I took it like the professionals. Oh, I can tell you anything. And I assumed it has no effect on you. It, I, I treated her this way for years before she finally admitted, you say this, it terrifies me. Because she was afraid, oh, that'll make his depression worse. If I let him know his depression affects me, that'll make it worse. And I was like, mm. so we, we, discovered, we, we once spoke together, but spoke at, like, I would speak for a half hour, then she spoke for a half hour. And she talked about that. I was like, I, I know, I'm hearing this for the first time. Wow. Like, what the fuck? Why? You, you could tell the, the crowd of strangers how, you, how living with me affected you, but you never told it to me. So it was like, it was wow. amazing. But so just be wary. If you offer to someone, you can tell me anything. Realize you're really, you're really catch up. Yeah, yeah. My wife got support from friends that she could tell what was going on. Sure. Uh, and, but also, you know, what you do share, it's going to take a toll. It's yeah. shit. So if you're going to support, if you're in a situation, a relationship with someone that needs help, don't try to be the single, you know, don't catch them as they're plummeting. No, get some support. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. good. Like your wife was wise enough to say, we need to call someone else. I can't do this. I can't, I can't fix you. So we need to call someone. That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, brother, I feel good. You want to maybe a couple other thoughts and we'll kind of yeah. wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I, you know, I thought this would be like 20 minutes and we'd be struggle or I'd want to go over six hours. <laughs> it's feeling more than longer, but yeah, let's focus on, on tips and what people can do. If you're a guy out there, and you're struggling and you know, God, I hope you're not. But if, if you've been listening this far, you might be. And if your negative thinking is, is really to the point of you're not sure if you want to live, um, I guarantee that you do because you've listened to us this long too. Right. Um, so yeah, you're worth that. it. Yeah. Realize you're worth it, right? You're yeah. worth it. And, uh, you know, just don't listen to the little gremlin brain, right? It's just a gremlin brain. And, you know, like, like both Andy and I, we've had awful things in life, but we've also had amazing things happen. You know, we didn't really get into all that, but I mean, I've, I've had so many amazing things happen after bad episodes. And I mean, like great things, you know, acting jobs and new jobs and finding love and getting married and, you know, taking trips and snorkeling internationally, like amazing things that I, you know, six months prior was like, fuck it, there's nothing else to live for. You know what, man? Treasure your life. It's worth living. I will leave you with that. That's what I'll say to you. Cool. I, uh, I found tremendous value in things. And, and my decision years ago to, to share and, and be public and be open and just rip down the stigma. You know, no, no, one, no one cares what you're up to except us. Like we're, we're our critic and our strictest judge and all that. And if you decide, you know what, you know, I don't care that I'm miserable. I don't care that this happened. I don't care if things didn't work out. And you can decide not to care, right? You can decide, well, I know this is going to end. You can decide to have more faith in yourself. And especially if, it's what I found, well, being miserable hasn't really paid off. Let's try flipping the switch. 
let, let's see how the other half lives, right? Let, let's, yeah, fake it till you make it. All these different bullshit cliches that when you actually do them and feel and have an experience, you might just find that you feel better. So feel better. Exercise, meditation, uh, support groups, men's groups. I'm a big fan of the Mankind Project. Go to their New Warrior Training Weekend. Um, go to a men's group. Go to a mental health group. Go to, you know, um, talk to a counselor. Talk to a suicide prevention line. If you don't think you have friends, you know, there's, all, there's a low-cost, anonymous ways. Um, uh, HR department, if you're in a job, get you to... NAMI. You can go to NAMI, N-A-M-I, right? You can go look up them. Yep. National Association Mental Institute, like mental illness. Yeah. There's a lot of places you can look up for help, so just make sure you reach for it, okay? Yeah. Sometimes the bravest thing you can ever do is ask for help. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I did. A, I double that, man. Sometimes the bravest thing you can do is admit what's up and ask for help. Yeah. That's a hero. Yeah. And that's a man, right? A man isn't, I'm going to punch through all my... No, that, that's fake. A man yeah. recognizes, I need that, right? I'm, I can't build a house alone. You know, I can't herd 100 cattle alone. Man recognizes when he needs help and is willing to ask for the help and be seen getting the help and feel good about it and, and all that beautiful shit. Beautiful. Whew. Beautiful. From the bottom of my aching heart, thank you very much, G. Um, a pleasure that you made this time. And uh, for everyone that's made it this far, um, I trust you got value or else you wouldn't be here still. And I trust you that you have a lot more value to add to everybody in your life as well. So, so don't cut it short. There's, there is no fucking reason for anyone today to consciously end their life due to emotional pain. Right? It does get better. That's another cliche and it's fucking true. Yep. It can All always right. get better. Cool. Okay. Guys. So this is uh this is the last show for, for 2017 and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again in a brand new year, brand new energy. Brand new fucking joy and happiness and all that. And, uh, you know, uh, let us know what the comments about this show. Remember the positives in life. Yep. Remember the positives. You rock. <laughs> you are worth it. Yeah. Love Don't your life, worth. man. Cool. Thank you Jeez. so much, Andy Grant, for having me, man. You are, uh, you are a shining light, bro. You are my Metallica shining light. Do you understand this? That's the fact, dude. You're, you're, like, you're that guy. I think it's so great that you do what you do. And uh, really, just keep on swinging, man. You're an inspiration to many. And I want you to know, on behalf of me and many people, you are deeply appreciated. Thank you very much. I am buddy. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, post a comment. Give it a share. Uh, tell me you're sick of me. Tell me that's fucking great. Either way, it's all good. I just want to hear something. Realmenfield.org. Check us out on Facebook. We're, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher. You can watch us if you... If, you've, if you didn't realize you could watch us, we're also on YouTube. So if uh, you're wondering, like, who are these fucking voices in my head? Then you can actually see what they are if you visit YouTube. But uh, <laughs> thanks again, G. Thanks, for everyone. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Andy, buddy. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.